going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Reddit Gold Standard Podcast. We got a full house in here tonight. We got my guy Matt, 49er Media, Brandon, and Christian. Uh, before I toss it over to the crew, if you're tuning in on Twitter, head over to youtube.com slash 49ers Hive. Join from there so we can see and interact with your comments. Now that I got that word vomit out, Matt, how are you doing this evening? Uh, sorry, we had to go on a Sunday. Uh, I worked last night. I woke, so I worked three in a row at the hospitals, 12 hour shifts. Um, I went, I get off at like 7 30. I went to sleep at like 8 30. I woke up, watched the entire game, and then went straight to work from there. So I was just like, there's no way I can do a show until later. So I'm doing good now. Um, great win. Um, and we'll break it down for sure. But yeah, feeling pretty good, man. Yeah, glad glad to hear. Glad to have you with us. Also, you guys don't have to pick and choose between which show right after the game since a million go on. We're bringing it to you sun, Sunday night, and we got the Monday holiday. Hopefully, all you guys, too, so you can enjoy this evening with us. 49er Media, thanks for joining. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. Uh, spent most of the day watching all these games. Um, quite entertaining, I'd say. You know, outcomes that I didn't really expect it to be close, especially in that Dolphins, you know, Bills game. But I'm doing well uh, getting back into school. So, yeah. what's up? All right, uh, Brandon Christian of the Fur Faithful Podcast. How are you guys doing? Uh, good, good. All right, nice and short. I love it. <laughs> now that we got all the formalities out of the way, it was an absolute beatdown from the 49ers yesterday 41 to 23. It was very close in the first half. And surprisingly, I'd say like 90% of the guys in our chat weren't freaking out over it. Uh, Matt. What what did you make of the performance and kind of the first half, second half differences? Yeah, it was definitely a tale of two halves. Um, you know, the 49ers do a lot of what they do. The scripted drives tend to go well. Um, they, you know, kind of have a little bit of a lull in the second quarter. It seems like they allowed Seattle to get back into the game after having a 10-0 lead. Um they went into half on a really weird sequence and it just looked like, Oh gosh, here we go. What's going on is Kyle getting tight with his play call. That squib was really weird. Um, Jimmy Ward with a absolutely dumb penalty at the end of the half that puts them in field goal range. And what looked like a 16, 14, 49ers lead going into the half with them getting the ball turns into 17, 16. Um, and you know, the 49ers came out and were able to make adjustments and dominate the second half. So, a lot like how a lot of the season has gone with the second half adjustments really being the key for 49ers being able to pull away from teams that and the physicality that they bring. It was an overall good win. I would like to see them play with their food a little less though. I'd like to see them put away the inferior team a little earlier. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of probably the best way to put it that they, it did kind of seem like they were playing with their food. I got total Washington commanders vibes where it was way too close in the first half. Um, the little self-inflicted mistakes kept the other team in it. Luckily, the 49ers in the second half, 25-7 to seven run. Uh, Brandon, I'm, I'm going to throw it to you real quick. What did you make of Brock Purdy's performance? I thought he did an excellent job. Um, you could tell in the beginning of the game, it looked like the nerves were getting to him a little bit. Um, but as the game went on, he uh, grinded. He... I mean, the scrambling that he was doing, too, um, and extending the plays was, was just phenomenal coming from a rookie. 
I mean, we kept seeing it in the group chat where, you know, there was a couple uh, plays where he scrambled out of the pocket to find some open receivers and completed those passes and were like, oh, Jimmy would never. So um, just having Brock Purdy under center um, and then with the help of CMC and then all our, all our weapons on offense, um, this is just going to be a, such a different type of uh, like game uh, day week by week in the playoffs compared to 2019 and last year. Yeah. So I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, same here. I, I saw that there was a stat yesterday that in all of Jimmy Garoppolo's playoff game, and we're not going to have this a show about Jimmy versus Proc. I just want to get the stat out since you mentioned it. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, every single fourth quarter playoff game combined, he's re- been responsible for a total of nine points scored. And the 49ers last night, I believe, had something like 18 or 15 points scored in the fourth quarter alone. Uh, 49er media, I'm going to throw it back to you. Christian McCaffrey had over, what, like 130 yards rushing, 100. 15 yards rushing. Debo had 130 yards receiving. What did you make of this offensive performance? Yeah, so I mean, like you guys mentioned, I definitely think the offense was stagnant, especially in the first half. And that's been the story of the entire season. It's nothing new. But then the second half, they just found their groove. They they made those second half adjustments that they have been making throughout this, you know, 10 game, now 11 game winning streak um but i thought debo was phenomenal i actually thought going into this game i wanted to see debo samuel have a big game because we haven't really seen that this year right like we we've been kind of wondering where debo's been all along so i I was really happy to see that debo just was outstanding i mean he had that one catch where it looked like he didn't even catch it when you actually saw the play but then on the replay he made the you saw that he made the catch so it was just outstanding to see Debo perform really really well and then CMC I mean he just left like started right where he left off there was nothing really new with him he's just you know continues to be a vital part of this offense and why this offense is on a roll and scoring over 30 points when Brock Purdy's been under center yeah 100 percent um Debo Samuel is just a different type of player, especially from the playoffs. And, and Christian, I, I, speaking of Debo, I want to get to you because we talked about this a little bit in the chat yesterday. As soon as his ankle got twisted by Jonathan Abrams, the game entirely shifted. I mean, it was a 25 to nothing run up until that touchdown to DK Metcalf in garbage time made it 25 to seven. Was that basically going to happen either way? Or do you think the Seahawks just completely poked the bear and, you know, woke up a beast in the 49ers offense? I think they woke up a beast. I think, I mean, I think it may have happened anyway, but they just woke up a beast because the defense started playing better too. Um, this team obviously really good, but you know, the defense was kind of, you know, needed a wake up call that, it, you know, you saw the difference after that with the defense, but the offense definitely, you saw like an extra gear, even, even from Purdy, you did like, it just, it, it really woke them up. Um, I mean, I, they're good enough to do that anyways, but it just it, it lit a fire in, up under their ass. I mean, the whole the whole freaking offense was on that guy. <laughs> like Debo even said, he's like, I was like walking away pissed. I turned around and the whole team's over there ready to knock that guy out. So I I definitely think this is the wrong team you want to piss off. I definitely think if you can get if you get on this team's bad side and piss them off a little bit, you're going to pay the price. Yeah. 
Um, it definitely wasn't a good idea. It's unfortunate that that's what it took, but I'm, I'm glad it happened nonetheless because the 49ers just completely went pedal to the metal and Debo Samuel luckily wasn't hurt. It was a very interesting jersey swap after the game because I saw that they were the two players to swap jerseys. Uh, apparently, they were on the same team at the Senior Bowl and they actually are friends, so maybe they were just uh, – maybe he apologized for it, heat of the moment type thing. Uh, Matt, I'm going to throw it back to you. Is this – was this, as you say, uh, concerning – performance by the defense i know they only allowed 23 points in total but in the first half it looked like the seahawks were kind of moving the ball with somewhat ease um you know i i think there are certain things that the 49ers just didn't do well i think it honestly it was just a bad game for mooney ward um he got cooked by dk metcalf and you know you look outside of that early on it looked like kenneth walker was going to be really effective but again that's where the halftime adjustments come in it was the big touchdown pass it was the stupid penalty to end the first half. And, I mean, you're talking about 10 points right there out of the 23 that the you know Seahawks scored. One of those touchdowns was garbage time. I, I think it's the familiarity of playing a team for the third time in a season. Pete Carroll obviously knows Kyle Shanahan. They go up against each other twice a season. I think this is something that they're going to be able to address in the future. But I do think that the Giants winning today, um, you know, it's going to be nice to see one of the two teams with uh, mobile quarterbacks kind of try to take each other out. Um, the 49ers don't do well against that. And the the quarterbacks that they're going to have to face both Dak Prescott since the ankle injury and Tom Brady, not really super mobile guys. I think that Geno Smith was able to make things happen because he's a little more mobile, but it was one of those situations where the 49ers offense scored on four out of their first five drives, but it was, you know, three points here, um, you know, instead of touchdowns. And I said in the chat that the Seahawks are giving up chunk plays to the 49ers. You're not going to be able to allow them to do that over and over and expect three points to be the outcome. And I think that the second half was the difference because as those third down and longs become field goals, the second half it was those third downs get converted, the drives were longer and the 49ers were able to put it away with ball control, which is what they like to do. So I think that the offense really helps out the defense and it's just familiarity more than anything. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really like your, your take on, I think it was just more of a Mooney ward bad game. I agree with that 100%. Um, the first two games they held decap DK Metcalf in check. I mean, he didn't go off much at all. Yesterday was not the case. Uh, he had his way with the 49ers DB, especially Mooney Ward. And, and maybe it was just an off game. I don't, I didn't completely lose faith in Ward. I think he can still play at a really high level. Um, Anthony Colbert says, remember when Mike was on your show, he said Brock Purdy is Trent Dilfer. That was definitely an interesting discussion we had with Mike. And I want to show this little graphic here, courtesy of NFL Network, um, just to kind of sit back and marvel at because we haven't had this level of quarterback play seems like in forever um so quarterbacks with 300 plus passing yards and four total touchdowns in their first career playoff start obviously brock purdy matthew stafford in 2011 aaron Rodgers in 2009 and kurt warner in 1999 i mean i i keep trying to pinch myself but matt i'm gonna throw it back to you this is amazing right like this is this is history we're seeing being made in real time Absolutely. I mean, we see that Brock Purdy is not like any other Mr. Irrelevant because nobody's ever done what he's done at that position. He's not even like any other, you know, seventh round pick. I mean, 
the Dolphins ran out there with Skylar Thompson, and they kept it close against the Bills, but it definitely wasn't because of Skylar Thompson. Their defense forced turnovers and their running game and their playmakers. Brock Purdy is a playmaker. We've saw we've seen that, um, particularly on that absolutely wild bonkers scramble and then throwing that dot to BA in the back of the end zone. Now, unfortunately, Brandon, I dropped that pass, but it's one of the things that Purdy does well. And here's the other thing. You know, we came out of half and Joe Davis and uh, I forget the other person who was on the broadcast. Um, Daryl uh, Johnston, I think. Yeah, who obviously still holds some sort of grudge against Ford. Every time he calls 49ers games, it seems like he's anti 49ers. And, you know, being a mid 90s cowboy, I'm not surprised by that. But, um, you know, at the end of the half, they, you know, they showed, oh, 9 and 19. Geno Smith is just way more efficient than, you know, what's going on with Brock Purdy. And it's like, well, if you look, Brock Purdy had pressure in his face and he was able to scramble out of that. And instead of forcing a throw a la Jimmy Garoppolo or taking a sack, he was able to get the ball out of bounds um, and throw it away, which is something that, you know, shows poise, shows the ability to kind of live above his draft station, which is what he's been doing. He shows a lot of grit, a lot of gamesmanship and the ability to stay calm under fire that I think makes him, I mean, really, just kind of, I'll put it to you like this. The moment that I really was excited about Purdy in that playoff game was when he took everybody was get, getting on him for missing Debo Samuel on the underneath route when he took the shot to Brandon Ayuk. And someone on Twitter posted like the little route tree, the little animated route tree. Now, if Ayuk keeps running, he has inside leverage on that post on the cornerback with no safety over the top, but he stopped running and Purdy like lost his shit. Like not, like get in his face, but you could see that he was bothered by the fact that he didn't run it. He's like, you got to run that out just kind of like outwardly. And it's like, he's very humble in the press, but when you watch him on the field, he has a fire to him. And I really appreciate that. And he just, he doesn't play like a rookie plays. He plays far beyond that. I, I still don't know why Brandon, Ayuk, I was trying to find the play why he stopped running, but it is what it is. It didn't hurt the 49ers, luckily, too much yesterday. They were still able to come back and, and take care of business. Uh, I just want to say real quick, I see Jim Everett say, wow, 49ers beat Geno Smith. Something the Rams couldn't do uh, if you remember to end the year. So that's very unfortunate for you guys. Could have kept them out of the playoffs, but couldn't do it. Um, some of the comments in here are talking about Brock Purdy, his poise, his intelligence, just the way he operates the football field. Christian, I know this is something you wanted to discuss, and I, I see we have a super chat, which we'll get to after this. Um, did Brock Purdy do anything in the game, in the win over Seattle, to possibly lock down this starting gig going into next year? Matt, Mike, and I had this conversation in the last show. I know you wanted to share your thoughts on this. Is that even possible for him to do this year, or is it like as soon as this year is over, they hit the refresh button and go into next year with Trey, you know, being the starter. What, what's your take on it? So <clears throat> as of now, I think he's the starter next year. He's already got it. And here's why we've heard, we, we finally heard Kyle out of his mouth when we traded for the third pick, it was between Lance and Mac. Okay. So everything Purdy's doing right now is what Kyle would have had Mac. Mac would be doing if he was in this offense. I've seen enough of Mac Jones in the Patriots offense to know that Mac Jones could run Kyle's offense. I think we um, underestimated him thinking we were going to get draft him, but I think he would have been fine in this offense. So the way I look at it, obviously, you know, 
were putting up 40 points in the playoffs. We're averaging over 30 points. The, the games that Purdy was um, playing, he's not turning the ball over, which Kyle wants. So when you think about it, Kyle had two quarterbacks, two styles of quarterback he wanted, right? So he, so the Lance thing hasn't worked out out so far. And and then Jimmy gets hurt, and then luckily Purdy falls into the starting role, and he's exactly the quarterback that Kyle wanted in Mac Jones, and he's doing he's running Kyle's offense exactly the way he wants to run that offense. He's an extension of Kyle on the field, but he can also ad lib at times and make plays. We've seen it. The one to the one to Kittle against Arizona to me was abs- just absolutely fucking unreal. Like as a rookie to make that play, I thought was fantastic. So the way I look at it, we didn't get Mac Jones. We went with the other guy. We went with Lance. Lance hasn't worked out. So Kyle got one of the guys that he wanted. So he's going to roll with Purdy because it's working. Everything that Kyle wants to do on with his offense right now, he's able to do. So yeah. what that's what I, if if he didn't want Mac, I could understand like okay, he's gonna let he's gonna be fine. Roll, still trying to roll with Lance, but because that that was his other option, I think the fact that this is working and he's getting what he wants out of his offense, he already knows. He already has his answer. Yeah, I don't know. My only pushback to that is they didn't trade up to three to draft Mac Jones. He was never on the table as soon as they made that move. I'm just that's you just think my so. Opinion. I think okay. I think that it was either I think that it wasn't Mac Jones. I think that it was Zach Wilson. That if somehow the Jets passed on oh, Zach Wilson, God. they would have taken him. I think it was probably if we stay put. Where were they at? 11, 12? What did they move? They on? were at 11. 11 would have been Mac yeah. Jones. Yeah, they 12. probably were figuring. But, yeah, but trading up to yeah. to it wasn't gonna ever be Mac Jones at three. Okay, despite See, what the Chris Sims of the world. Will well, I was just going off what we actually heard Kyle say when they traded. Like there was that interview yeah. he had. Where he it was said, a, uh, Brand, what was his name Brandon um, for Brandon Marshall. He was on the Brandon yeah, Marshall podcast, and he yeah. he said when they traded, it was for Mac and Lance, and then he decided later on that it was going to be Lance. So that's where I'm basing it. I off mean, of. if you believe that, because that's Lynch true. also said when they traded up, oh, there's three guys, and it's like, wait, you traded up, and you're trying to tell us you don't even have an idea who you're going to take. That's because they went to all these pro days multiple times, which mm-hmm. tells me that they actually didn't know who they're going to take. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's true. And I think I, Mac Jones was the only one they didn't go to twice. I think they yeah. went to everybody else's more than once. I I definitely like. I'm not saying it's what like what I want to happen or anything. I'm just trying to. I'm just kind of like it's a, an idea and a speculation that that might be what's happening. Um, but I can see I I can see it happening where in Kyle's eyes Purdy's already won the job. I could be wrong because of the pick thing, but. Knowing Kyle as stubborn as he is, and the way he is, he'll he'll eat it. He'll trade. I mean, I think the it. job will be open unless Purdy wins the Super Bowl, and okay. Kyle is like one of those guys that will make them compete for it, just because Kyle likes to see dudes compete because he knows that the cream is going to rise to the crop, and that's going to be his guy. Yeah, he's going to give Trey Lance every opportunity to answer the bell. I think. Also, just just to push back a little bit, they don't need to trade Trey Lance. They're both on rookie quarterbacks. Geno Smith is the only quarterback in the entire NFL that took 100% of his team snaps this year. So Mm -hmm. clearly with the 17-game schedule, it's not possible or it's not likely Mm -hmm. that your starting quarterback is going to stay healthy 100% of the time. It can't hurt to have both quarterbacks. Well, and here's the thing. uh, You know, 
Brock Purdy makes almost nothing. Trey Lance uh-huh. makes twenty million dollars. He split that between the two. It's about ten million each, which is less than most quarterback uh-huh. rooms. In the the o- only thing I worry about is if Purdy were to get the job and Lance had to back him. I worry about Lance's. Um, you know, mentally, I worry about him. You know, I worry about his confidence and stuff like that. That's the only thing that I worry about. Too, I mean, too bad, so sad then. Yeah, it makes sense. Either I just, way, I mean, it'll look bad if they traded all that for Lance and he doesn't pan out, but mm-hmm. then they still end up with a franchise quarterback. So is yeah. it really that bad? Who cares, right? It's like, okay, right. whatever, we're winning. <laughs> uh, for that media, I'm and it just to goes you. to show, by the way, what a crapshoot drafting a quarterback is because that draft class that was highly touted looks super suspect. Mac Jones looks like he's already capped. Trey Lance, we have no idea what he's going to be. Justin Fields looks super limited as like a runner, and it looks like Chicago may or may not be out on him already. Trevor Lawrence looks like he's taking a step, but like, you know, those four picks were pretty pretty wild yesterday. And Zach Wilson is going to be best known for hooking up with his mom's friends. So it's a weird, weird class, man. And and by the way, it could turn out if Brock Purdy continues on this trajectory that Mr. Irrelevant turns out better than all of them. I'm not so, saying that's going to happen, but if it's this is the trajectory, that would be wild. It, it, it definitely what it does, though, it tells you that how important it, important it is for for these young quarterbacks to go to the right system right away mm-hmm. because it makes a difference. Like Purdy might not look what he looks like in another system. This is why, by the way, I actually think that. I like, um, gosh, uh, Will Levis more mm-hmm. than I like C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young because he played at a Power 5 school, but it wasn't a good Power 5 school. And so I think you learn how to throw into tight windows, throw with adversity. I mean, you look at C.J. Stroud, and it's like, yeah, man, he looks good, but also Marvin Harrison Jr. Mm-hmm. Like, so, You know what I mean? Bryce Young looks really good here, but also Alabama has consistently mm-hmm. the best talent. I think when you play at a Power 5 school and you have to play NFL-level talent, but you have to learn as a quarterback to throw on time in a window in like, you know, a pro style offense, those, and you're a multi-year starter. Those are the ones that end up being the best guys. So one thing too, but does this, does this tell us that when it comes to like playing quarterback in college, it actually does benefit you to do all four years to prepare you for the NFL? Because I don't pretty- know necessarily all four years, but you need, I think being a multi-year star, obviously Lance is way behind the snap curve. Mm-hmm. I think his lack of experience is something that's definitely going to hurt him. Um, and I think that's going to come back next year too, because if obviously if the 49ers make this deep run, if they make Super Bowl or whatever, you have Brock Purdy who has, I mean, an astronomical amount of pass attempts and games played at quarterback over Trey Lance. And it's like, you have a Super Bowl window now, two steps forward, one step back. I would actually argue that for this team in particular with talent, it's better to be experienced because they're going to have a hard time with the growing pains of Trey Lance with a team this talented. Trey Lance might do better on like a more mediocre team where the team is willing to grow around him with a good offensive mind. Yeah, I just uh, I just look at like the whole four because like I th- – um... I think Herbert played all four years at Oregon, and so when he did get his chance as a rookie, he looked pretty good right away. It from the sample size, I, I've tried. We've seen it, the, the quarterbacks that do play college a little bit longer do tend to look more ready when they come into the NFL. Like these guys that are highly touted and going to be top picks, they didn't play it. That aren't playing that many years in college. They have the talent, but they're not ready because they. I mean, to be fair, more. Joe Burrow. He yeah. stayed all four years, but he didn't play all four years. But he's also getting that, um, you know, 
mentally he was you know learning a lot more and getting i think it's prepared. more rep. i think if you look at it if you look through the nfl you'll see that the top college football programs produce the worst nfl quarterbacks that's fair for our media i'm gonna throw it to you obviously the main dilemma here is that like we've said the 49ers spent so much to move up to get trey lance how much of that actually matters if you have a quarterback that you took in the seventh round that's producing and giving you what you want out of the position and whether they win it all or not, they're having success with it. How much of that draft capital that they spent actually matters in the long run? I mean, I, it's tough to say because like the draft is such a crapshoot no matter what. So it's like, even if it wasn't Trey Lance, you know, who knows if the other guy, like let's say the Niners stayed at 12, didn't even draft a quarterback and they take someone else. Like who knows, you know, what happens with that guy if he's successful. To me, it doesn't really matter um, about the picks anymore. But, you know, if, if like Purdy is, you know, doing really, really well, but I, I think that there should be a competition because you did spend that high pick on Trey Lance, but I also understand, you know, like, why would you not stay with the guy that's, you know, been successful and shown what he's got. And so I, I you know, I personally think there should be a competition, but again, I wouldn't disagree if, you know, someone else thinks differently. All of this reminds me of that family guy sketch where he wins, Peter wins something. I forget what it is. And the sleazy salesman goes, or you could have this box, you know, and it's like, oh my god, it could be anything. It could even be like, you know, the the whatever the hell, the truck. It or was whatever. a boat. It the was boat. a boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You it was a boat. boat. Yeah, he's yeah. like, you could have this boat, or you could have what's in this box. It's like, oh, there could be a anything in that box, even a boat. Yeah. <laughs> Am I the only one that thinks worrying about the whole pick thing is kind of just stupid? It's kind of a way. Like, I get it, but at the same time, like, if you have the talent and you're ready to. The, the picks things kind of be, become overrated at times. It, it, it's tough to sell it, it to ownership, though, in my opinion. Yeah. It's it, in a vacuum. You'd be like, okay, it doesn't really make sense. But this team has consistently showed that unless you give them a layup like Nick Bosa, they will fuck up their first couple <laughs> rounds. They do not pick well in the first couple rounds. McGlinchey, trash. Agreed. Solomon Thomas, trash. Uh, who else? Brandon Ayuk is Foster. Good. That was a good Foster. one. Um, yep. Foster. Uh, Foster. Um, Ruben Foster, trash. Wait, the, the, Second round picks, all trash. We're talking about Dante Pettis. We're you know, uh, um, who, who else? Third round picks, Akello Joe Witherspoon, Williams. Joe Williams, C.J. Beathard. Like you're talking about miss after miss after miss. Uh-huh. And I maintain the theory that it's really Adam Peters and the and the scouting staff in rounds four, five, six, seven that really saved this team's ass. Agreed. So, all right, um, let's focus in a little more on this game. I know we wanted to have that conversation. We've been having it after every every performance, every single performance. It's always due to happen. Um, Brandon, I'm going to throw it to you. You haven't uh, been able to talk much. What's your main concern? If you could put your finger on one problem coming out of Saturday's win, what is it? Uh, the way our defense starts the game off. I, I, I feel like they don't come in with the same energy and um, grit that they do in the second half. And uh, if this happens against a really good team like the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills, uh, 
we're gonna have a problem, um, especially if we're down big or whatever. I know Brock Pretty has shown that he can come back from um, being down by ten, but can he do it against a Kansas City defense, a, a Buffalo Bills defense? So I think uh, defense just needs I mean, to work out. Tyler Thompson and the Dolphins put up 31 on the Chiefs. On the well, Bears. yeah, that's true. And the Chiefs' defense is not the best. So no, that's the, the only thing good. with the AFC teams is they're not very good. And mm-hmm. Baltimore is about to take the lead on Cincinnati right now. So it's like uh, they're, yeah, yeah. they're exploitable. No spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> um, hey, we're, we're the best team left in this playoffs, guys. It's just we're the no, most. Yeah, I mean, I I Philly, Philly. 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 You think so? Why? why I think I think Philly is so like overrated. Okay, here here's my take on Philly after watching that game against the Giants to in Week 18. Hurts is a lot. His shoulder is way worse than they want to give credit for. He did he did not run. Their offense does not look good unless he's using his legs. Um, He can't just stand back in the pocket and and tear you apart, even with those good receivers. Um, their defense is suspect, other than their pass rush. And if you can stop their pass rush at all, their defense is really bad. I mean, they made. I mean, David Webb moved the ball up and down the field on them. He he. They didn't finish a lot, but he moved the ball up and down the field. And I firmly believe the Giants are going to beat uh, beat the Eagles because, for one, I just think it being a divisional matchup. I just think that I like the way that the um, Giants are going to play him. But I'm telling you, Hertz is not the same guy with that shoulder injury. I, <clears throat> yeah, at, yeah, at but he's, he'll have had two weeks to get it better. That's true, the thing. But, He's go, they're going in there. Why would you run Hurts in a week 18 game where it's like, yeah, if you win, you get the number one seed. If you don't, I mean, I guess you're still, you know, they were trying, they knew going into that game that the Giants were not playing any of their mm-hmm. starters. So they took their foot off the gas. They fair. still finished with 14 wins on the season. I mean, you can't discount so who that. Who have they really played, though, this season? Yeah, what, that's what I'm What wondering. do you mean? I mean, I'm not worried about who they play. Besides they their division. They are a good team. They are a good team. Yeah, you play a lot of your games against your division, man. Yeah, like, I just think I just I think mean, three gonna... out of those four teams Wa- made the playoffs. Washington beat them. Washington, yeah, Washington's, Washington's a good team. Right? Yeah, but I mean, it's division, though. Poorly coached. Yeah. It's division. You know what I mean? I, think, I still think Eagles are too over high. I, I, I people agree. are talking about them. I hate that I, play argument. I think, I think we'll who, be what fine are they them. Decline right. to that's play that's who's the on same argument that anybody can make about the 49ers. We didn't play dick off the, the one great Agreed. team that we played, we got skunked by. But I don't mm-hmm. I don't think the Eagles have gone through adversity like throughout the season because of also who they played. At least like yeah, our schedule wasn't that strong, but we the Niners we know went through adversity with injuries and obviously they're on a three different quarterbacks. I mean, sure, but again, it's it's different though, right? Every team's different. I think right, the yeah. Eagles are a good team. I just I don't know how uh, I feel. I'm like not going to get them. Like I said, um, like we've been talking about, basically going into the playoffs. Uh, I don't think any of us are worried about who we're playing against in the playoffs right now. Uh, at least on the NFC side for now, uh, I'm not worried about the Eagles if we play them in the championship. Let's, let's take let's, let's Eagles, take a step here. Let's, let's wait a moment. Hey, listen, next the week I'm not worried about it. schedule. Yeah, the, the Eagles played a much tougher schedule than the 49ers played. They they beat Detroit, they beat Minnesota, they beat Jacksonville. Like these are other playoff teams that they've beaten, and they beat I'll, the hell out of them. Too. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what though, when it does come to the rest of the teams in this playoffs, the worst matchup for us are the Eagles. I can say that. AJ will, Brown is a dog. Hundred percent. They have just a, Miles Sanders, good good dual threat running back, 
A.J. Brown. They have Devontae Smith who can run it deep and spread the field. They have a good tight end. They have one of the top offensive lines in football. They have a mobile quarterback, which always gives the 49ers trouble. If you don't think that the Eagles can are, are a tough matchup or you think they're overhyped, y'all are tripping. I, I don't want to play defense. Personally. I'm. I want the Giants to beat them because that's the only Same. team I'm worried about. If it's anybody but them, I'm not worried. I'm telling you though. I'll tell you right now. I'll put money. On, the Giants are going to beat them. I could see. I'll it. take. I'll take that bet. Yeah. I think. Hey, I think Philly smokes them by two touchdowns. Really? Because dude, yeah, Daniel oh, yeah. Jones. Daniel Jones is pretty damn good, and he doesn't even have any receivers. Like, dude, the, his receivers. He's are better. Sure. Yeah. They, dude, let, they have let, a freaking no. dropping. Get balls the super over. chat. Let's get the super yeah, chat. We'll go one by one. Four hours throwback. Thank you for the super chat. Who do you want, Tampa or Dallas? Now that the Giants have knocked off the Vikings. It comes down to who wins tomorrow Monday night between the Buccaneers and Cowboys. Matt, we'll start with you. Who do you want to face and why? Um, I so the inner asshole in me wants Cowboys fans to just cry everywhere. But in terms of matchups, it's got to be Tampa Bay. We dog walked them earlier. They offered nothing that gives us problems. Um, they have, you know, Mike Mike Evans is not really. Gonna, he had one touchdown that was called back. That was really a blown coverage, but honestly, they couldn't get anything going against the defense. Tom Brady's a statue. He doesn't really throw down the field anymore. They don't have an offensive line, so the pressure's going to be there all day, and they're not very good on defense. So if we're talking about purely from a talent perspective, it's got to be Tampa. Dallas at least can score a lot of points, and that's the one thing that you have to worry about them with you know, CeeDee Lamb and company. Um they have a two-headed rushing attack that could be a problem, but yeah, it's got to be it's got to be Tampa. Although my heart just goes back to those mid '90s games where I just want to crush the Cowboys at any opportunity. I still remember when we beat them last year, and it was like that dude and that chick, and it turned out it was that dude's like side piece, and then his girlfriend broke up with him, and they looked all sad, and it was just like peak cowboy fan. And so, anytime that that kind of stuff can happen, I'm pretty happy with that. But neither of them scares me. I think the easier cakewalk is Tampa Bay, though. Uh, Brandon, who who do you want out of the two? Um, I I'm with Matt too. I don't really care. Uh, part of me does want to see Cowboy fans cry again when they lose against us, and then also would like to beat Tom Brady again. So, um, shit, I don't know. If it is, I'll go. You know what? Screw it. I'll go with Tampa. Okay, Forty Nine Media. I'm going with Tampa because I want to see Purdy destroy, like beat Tom Brady for a second time. Another 35 to 7 win. Uh, yes. Christian, who do you got? Who do you want? I think I'm going to pick Dallas just because, I mean, if you think if Tampa wins, like, uh, that's going to be a pretty good high for them. And it's still Tom Brady. And he's going to be the motivation he could play with. Like, I, I mean, I know we'd, we'd match up so well against him, but the motivation that he plays with, it, Coming home again. I mean, there's a good chance we'd probably still kick their ass, but dude, not, I, I I don't understand. What is this whole he's still dude? When Tom I mean, Brady's a corpse in a box in the ground, there's gonna be some asshole that's like, Well, it's still Tom Brady. We don't I know. He might fair. make a comeback. <laughs> I, I'm just dude, I, I guess I'm just washed. He's old. Oh, I, I guess I'm just talking to look like Tom Brady. This year. I guess I guess I'm just talking to my ass. But to be honest, I man, stop, I just want I want to I want to see the look on Cowboys fans' faces when we take more than one pick uh pick to the house. Because freaking Dak Prescott's just been throwing fucking pick sixes fucking all day, and I know we'll take we'll take more than one to the house against him. And oh man, that 
just just guys imagine the feeling just watching the game and seeing the freaking Cowboys fans faces I mean, when we take our second Dak pick six lead, to the house. He left. He led the league in interceptions, right? Dak yeah. Prescott? Mm-hmm. Yep. He was really bad. I, I would take probably Tampa just because I legitimately think they are a very, very bad team. I don't think that they des- – I mean th- – They're they an under 500 their- team. Yeah, yeah. Eight, they won nine. their division, but that's not saying much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Carolina was the better team down the second half of the year, especially down that last five, six game stretch. Um, But they ended up making the playoffs. I don't think that they should have made the playoffs. I take them, but also I agree with you guys in that, that part of me wants to just end the giants. I mean, imagine this, right? We were talking about this in the chat earlier, just the last decade, two decades of redemption and revenge. Your playoff run goes through Seattle. And I'm talking teams, not cities through Seattle through Dallas, and then possibly through New York, like all teams in the past that have ruined the 49ers postseason chances, it would be beautiful. It would be absolutely beautiful. But for the sake of easiness, I'll take Tampa. I do think one thing at playing the Cowboys, it's I do think it's more fun to beat them in Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Turn, turn, turn Jerry World red and just – just bitch slap them in their own house like we did like we did last year that was so great Le- levi's yeah. levi's midwest yeah. can, can we talk about this ian sharp says nobody expected the Vikings to be around for long how did everybody had the vikings as a first round exit i couldn't see a single person that was not taking the giants this weekend what was it about them that people just was it the point differential over the season that people Kirk knew they were cousins- Kirk Cousins and they were eleven and zero in one score games and something had to give at that point. Hey. They just survived by the skin of their assholes by the entire season and it was just not gonna, it was not gonna translate. We just don't trust Kirk Cousins in prime time, as Dion would say if he were here. Kirk Cousins ain't winning a Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, hey, people were spot on though. People were spot yeah. on. I do think, by the way, the the way the Giants covered Justin Jefferson and took him out of the game was actually brilliant that, that there was a guy with outside leverage and inside leverage on him at all times so that even if he caught a ball, he wasn't going anywhere. And I thought that was really good. Also yeah. pff, Saquon Barkley's a beast. Now that he's healthy, he is nice. Yeah. That's been movie like had. rookie sophomore year, Saquon Barkley. And, and, and that's the exact reason why I didn't want to match up with Minnesota. I was hoping the giants would take them out today because their strengths match with our weaknesses. You know what I mean? Like, Deep down the field passing, Justin Jefferson is a very yep. physical receiver, and it would it's, not. Have it's similar to Seattle, right? Where, where I'll give Cousins be you know credit for being a little bit better than uh, Geno Smith. Where it's like, yeah, you got Justin Jefferson that can stretch the field, and then you have Adam Thielen who's just a chain eater. So it's, you know, third and longs that we get that we often give up for first downs. That's that's where just or where Adam Thielen would have eaten. So yeah, I get it. And then Dalvin yeah. Cook, you know. It all would have been based off our pass rush, though. Like that's kind of what I saw from, like, why I thought like Mooney Cousins takes hits. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, and I think Mooney Ward struggled a little bit in the game be- just because of the fact that the pass rush wasn't getting there. Like when you think about Mooney Ward, yeah. looked back, he looked back to see where the football was. He's oh. probably thinking, "Why the fuck haven't these fuckers hit Geno Smith yet?" He looks back, well, pff, touchdown. Because how often has he had I, to I, cover for that well, long? I think, well, if he's on DK as well, I mean, DK is a freak. Yeah. One of DK's arms weighs as much as Mooney Ward's entire body. So when he gave him a little shove, you could see that the physicality was getting to Mooney Ward. Like he just was not able to keep up with DK Metcalf. 
he, you know, especially on that long touchdown, it looked like he broke stride when, you know, they always do the hand fighting and it looked like DK gave him like a little nudge. Yeah. And it's just he's so big and strong that that little nudge mm-hmm. knocked him off balance. And DK and has that. He has that Tara Owens strength. I don't just not, hate, not this I don't hate any player, and I, I rarely use the word hate, but I strongly, strongly dislike DK Metcalf. I think he is a giant bitch. I'm just going to mm. say it. Something about his mentality, something about the way he oh, plays, yeah. something about the way he treats other players. It's the turquoise hair, isn't it? You don't like that shit. The, the biggie, the he, doesn't the, the the, yeah, he doesn't have it anymore, luckily. Oh. But I don't know. I, I I respect his game, and I I I hope the 49ers I you know are able to box him up every time they play against him. But just the way he plays is bitch like to me. I, I, there's not really a way to put it. I don't know. Well, compare compare him to Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett's class. Yeah. DK's, you know, the opposite of that. I mean, then again, one guy had 136 yards and a touchdown, and the other guy had 30 yards. So. That's true. Well, the other guy's at the end of his career too. Let's be honest. <laughs> I don't know. I think Lockett's got a few years. Also, too, I think Gino was only really passing a DK anyways. I want to share this. Uh, This is the 49ers, Debo and others' reaction to um, him getting his ankle twisted by Jonathan Abram. So I just want to get this. That way we can see the team's mentality and the I got your back mentality that they all are constantly echoing. I stayed down a little because I almost lost my temper. Um, you can see um, the definition of our team of IGYB, I got your back. At the end of the day, I felt like that turned our team up a notch. And as you can see, we just went out there and made plays. It hurt for sure. But uh, in my mind, I was I was about to lose it. But um, I just kept coming, you know, uh, just seeing um, how Cal came off the sideline is true definition of our team. It was 23 that twisted my ankle and I went right at 30. I didn't even know. I, I just like blacked out for a second. I just see all red jerseys on the field. I'm like, all right, all right, this is what we on. All right, let's 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 turn it up a notch. I think it was another level of intensity. Everybody was a little angry because, you know, I just came back from a knee injury. And um, like I said earlier, true definition of IGYB. That's fucked up, man. It pissed us off. Um, and we kind of turned up from there. But, like, you know, we got each other's back through and through. You know what I'm saying? You mess with one, you mess with all of us, and we don't, we don't play that. So, I mean, it is what it is, but, you know, they they, they, they felt it after that, I think. Um, I think they're doing a little dirty stuff to our offensive guys, and I would not piss off the dudes on offense, especially Debo, because he'll make you pay. It's playoff football. Uh, it's a rival, so I wouldn't expect anything less. Um, but, yeah, don't poke the bear. That's some bullshit. Yeah, wish I was out there. That's some bullshit. Yeah. I was worried that he was hurt on it. Um, I lost my mind a little bit on that. Um, but, yeah, I was real concerned that he was hurt on it. You know, I, I didn't like how that looked. I thought it looked pretty bad and the intent of the play. Um, so I think that pissed a lot of people off. I think it pissed our team off. And I think you can kind of feel our team react to that um, after. Um, I wish we were like that from the first play always. But sometimes when some stuff motivates the guys, I think – uh, it was cool to see us rally together, and I know Debo was bothered, and um, it was cool he came back and, and answered. I, mean, I don't know what he was trying to achieve by doing that, but um wasn't the smartest move for sure. What you guys say? Dude, Kyle walking through the entire, like, Seahawks huddle and just, like, bumping people while Diggs was, like, throw a flag was the funniest shit, man. Also, Banks and Kinlaw are like the bouncers, man. Right, that's that's the vibe I got too. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's like oh, strip yeah. vibes right there, dude. Like, tell, hey, don't touch the girls. Don't you can tell girls. Kinlaw was like dude. struggling to find like 
appropriate words and all I like, get out with. Hey, but Banks sounds like Banks Banks is, Howard, dude. That was fucked up. <laughs> he sounds like Boom Howard, though. Dude. Bro, he just sounds like a normal young guy, like what. Yeah. Dude, and it sounds like he talks with his teeth like together yeah. while he's he, talking he, like this. And then like Bosa's just like, "Oh, you teach me to football." Bosa's funny, yeah. Bro, I, Bosa I always that. just does that like a mile. Dude, but him and his brother are exactly the same. They're just like, like just California kids, man. Like surfer yeah. kids. You know what yeah, I mean? Like they speak like surfer guys. Yeah, they do. Uh, I was talking about this with my my coworker the other day. We were talking about the the Ball family. But I brought up the Bosa's. Can you imagine being Joey and Nick Bosa's dad, or like the Watt brothers' dad, and just be like, "Yeah, I made that. Like, I made two of the greatest football players to ever play the game." It's well, just amazing. Bosa, Bosa's, the Bosa's dad was in the NFL too. Yeah, he was. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And also in the Mafia, I mean, Mannings. The Mannings, yeah. The, dude, yeah. the Mannings Archie. got the, the Mannings Watt. got the best one coming up. This is a funny comment. Arch, dude. <laughs> Joey said, Pinball saw 11 it. cones in green and went crazy. <laughs> hey, no, I would uh, say this. Like, it's, it's good to see the team rally around that. Um, it's, I think it's also good and shows a level of class that, you know, whether or not they were friends or at the senior bowl or whatever, you know, Abram comes up and apologizes and it's cool that Debo was like, yeah, let's let it go. Let's do a Jersey swap, whatever. Like it's all good. You know, you don't want to linger on things that happen, particularly when you get a win, you want to move on to the next. And I think that it helps that they got the win, but that they can let it go is something that's good too. Um, keep that pent up for the moment, but then you got to move on and it's time to focus on the next, the next. So the team coming together like that is super cool. It shows maturity from your, one of your leaders. When Debo really is one of the leaders on the team, it, it showed a lot of maturity and leadership from Debo to do that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and look, Kyle Shanahan said it himself. I wish it didn't take this, but I'm also glad it happened, and I'm glad Debo wasn't uh, seriously injured. Because like I said, before that garbage time touchdown, 25 to nothing run after that incident. So I don't know what Abrams was thinking. There's literally no point to what he did other than to injure Debo Samuel. And 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 sorry, I'll wrap my point up, but to do it in front of the ref and start a giant fight between both teams and to not get a fucking flag thrown was just like mind-boggling. How is that possible? When the, refs, the refs don't throw a flag. They've been scared because of that. See those refs getting in trouble for that Seattle Rams game. I think they, they didn't were, get I think in trouble. scared. They didn't get in trouble. They I just thought they were about. Oh, okay. I thought they were just said, "Oh, you know, it sparks outrage, and they need to train them better." But well, they the didn't NFL do said something about it. It was ESPN. Oh, okay. All right. I mis- I misunderstood and it then. It also, just the hit I, to Brock Purdy out of bounds wasn't called. Oh, and then the next drive, Geno yeah. Smith gets hit late, and that's called. It, it was just. I mean, a perfect example of today was during the Minnesota New York game. That that roughing the passer was complete oh, horseshit. Jesus Christ. I think they're talking about changing the way that they work with officials. Um, They really, honestly, NFL officials should be a full-time gig. You should do it year-round. You should get paid to do it year-round. You don't need these guys having nine-to-fives. You need these guys looking at tape, studying the rule books, implementing change, doing simulated, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. You know, go over film and be like, how would you call this? Just on a live live reaction or whatever, you know, it, it would be much more um, impactful to the game. 
and we say this about every league essentially baseball it's strike zones basketball it's ticky tack fouls or not calling traveling or whatever the case may be it seems like each league has problems with their officials and how they call games it just needs to get better particularly from the largest sport in the united states football which everybody watches and where the outcome i mean you know that roughing the passer very well could have led to minnesota tying the game it didn't but those plays happen um as 49ers fans we know a missed call costs us a super bowl a blatant hold in the end zone cost us two final drive jimmy got you know there should have been two rough you know rough in the i was talking about, oh, Baltimore talking about in 2012 oh 20 yeah that's true yeah. i agree yeah yeah but we have technically had three bad calls at the end of that game in the fourth quarter yeah against there was a helmet to helmet on jimmy Casey. in the super bowl that didn't what about get the yeah. the hit to his head that i think concussed him anyways was well, that was up underneath his chin strap yeah oh, okay yeah on his yeah. back mike we wish you were here. Hope you're getting some rest. Very Come missed, on next my friend. One. We'll have you on anytime. Um, yeah, so what was hilarious to me is that a team like the Seahawks, after the story had just come out about how they lucked out in the game to even get into the playoffs, if you logged onto Twitter last night and went on Seahawks Twitter, they're talking about having to overcome the refs and the Niners, and it just proved to be too much. I mean, it was laughable. And I know every fan has their own, you know, base of shitty fans that always blames the ref. But for the Seahawks, it just seems like it's a little more of the majority that does blame the refs. And they are just consistently lucking out with either no calls or shitty calls. So I just had to throw that out there because I thought it was hilarious. The one franchise who always gets the benefit of the doubt. And they're saying, oh, well, the ref screwed us anyway. The ref screwed you by calling penalties that were actually penalties for once. I mean, sorry, you can't keep your fucking linemen with. Um, it was just laughable, but all right. Wrapping up this show. Any final thoughts on this game before we preview a tiny, tiny bit into next week's matchup with whoever it may be. Anyone go ahead, Christian. My biggest thought is. The best player on the field yesterday, hands down, not even close, who it just blows my mind how much he turns it up in the playoffs was Debo Samuel. He, he was an absolute fucking monster. Third and long, Debo catches it behind the uh, behind the sticks, first down. Third and long, Debo catches it behind the sticks, first down. I was just like, holy shit, every time he caught the ball behind the sticks, he it was a first down. I was like, dude, he, he plays with a whole nother motor like in the playoffs. He's just unreal competitiveness, man. He he's so freaking good to have in the playoffs. Cause that guy just plays at a complete other level than the rest of the guys on that field. Like it's unreal. Like the, how many times he, you, he looked like he was going to get tackled on some of those runs behind the line of scrimmage. And he breaks a tackle, breaks another tackle, breaks two more tackles and gets a five yard gain. I'm like, dude, what, where's you know this what? guy from? You know dude? I, I remember the image comes to my mind when you, when you just say that right now, how hard he fights, the image that comes to my mind is him sitting on the bench in LA in the championship game last year, bawling his eyes out because he knows how easily this can come to a stop and he knows how easily they can go home. And he knows also how close they are. I mean, he was a rookie on that Super Bowl team. So mm -hmm. I think that's why, Christian, he fights so damn hard every single time he has the ball because he knows what it's like to fail. If you ask me if we make it to the, to the um, Super Bowl, 110%, we should all put money on Debo to win the MVP because – he will take that team on his back. And I firmly 100% believe that he will be 
one of the best players to ever have to play in a Super Bowl ever. Like I, the way he plays, I firmly believe he will take that game over if we make it. Speaking of bets, I just got to brag a little bit. I took Christian McCaffrey first touchdown scorer in the game, and it paid out. I also took Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle parlay touchdown. George Kittle shockingly did not get a touchdown, but that's all right. That's all right. I'd much rather take the win. But that's actually a good thing, Zach. Look how much points we put on and how well we looked on offense, and Kittle wasn't a We might put a 50 next week. Yeah, well, because the other thing I wanted to say, like, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to overtake it. The one other thing I wanted to say is a couple of mistakes. Purdy was this close to six passing touchdowns last not you know trusting to throw the ball early when his receivers are going to be open on the break because he's kind of behind he's kind of you know late on those throws like that would have been a touchdown to Jennings there's another one then you know IU he was that close to having which would have been seven seven touchdowns overall was like that close to seven overall touchdowns is absolutely insane yeah yeah just just wild stuff Media, you had some final thoughts on this game. Yeah, because we didn't even mention this guy, but Charles Amenahu, man, like oh, he Thank was you. just he was just outstanding. I mean, he's just yeah. that just make sure this game didn't eat, like the CX didn't even have a chance, and you know, Bosa then recovers it. So Charles Amenahu was just amazing, and like I, he. I, ankle twisting being the moment but that was actually the real moment where everything changed they got that strip sack bosa recovers it and from then on the niners just never looked back and we talked about this earlier their ability to get guys like charles menahue jordan willis you know these lower level guys from other teams who maybe didn't think they were even going to make the roster maybe didn't think that they were going to get much playing time because of coaching what do you mean by that and and why do the 49ers have such a, a great ability to do that well I, you just look at some of these guys that have been journeymen and they go to other places and that's line for you know pretty much the entirety of, of kyle shanahan being here and you just see that this team ends up getting more out of less than most other teams do There's no doubt in my mind that Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead, just like DeForest Buckner, can go to other places and be just as successful as they are now. Those are the top flight guys. You don't have to worry about those guys. Comes back, makes an impact, and a lot of that is coaching. Um, Charles Menehue, Samson Ebucom, you know, these guys that are cast-offs. I mean, they're signing guys for one year, $5 million. ton of defensive line injuries next man up almost no drop off in play overall for the unit 
um, being able to fit pieces together and into a cohesive unit and be able to maintain uh, to complement your superstars, that's good coaching. It's making your sum um, greater than, you know, it's, it's making the unit greater than the sum of its parts. And, and that's, How does it like? How do you feel knowing that when you know our top pass rusher didn't have his best game, like getting to the quarterback, and other guys are able to step up in a game like this? How much does it make you? At his best, and then the guy he we know that the guys next to him might still be at their best because Omenahu took over when Bosa wasn't getting to the quarterback today, and he straight took over the game. It's really encouraging. Nick Bosa. So if you can still maybe not necessarily get pressure on every drop back, but on the more often than not make the quarterback's life harder with the other guys, that's a really. All season that Nick Bosa didn't even have a pressure. Yeah. So for the other guys to step up on the defensive line, Charles O'Menehu had himself a hell of a game, a hell of a game. And so for, again, a lot of that is coach. you know we know what you're capable of it's just that you need to know what you're capable of and good coaching will coax that out of, of players yeah. um just real quick oh, i have a question to ask. his opinion on drake jackson not being active for this game i think it's actually a little concerning i don't know if the thought process was we need to make I would have liked to have seen him because like we said, we just talked about Nick Bosa not being able to get home a guy like Drake Jackson with all of that talent likely could have helped. Elevate a defensive back instead. I don't know. What, what are your guys' thoughts on it? Do, so do, do you think that if Lenore struggled, they would have ready to bench him and that's why they brought in Jack rabbit. Like, Um, also, just if the the Seahawks like to, you know, spread you out, maybe just to have a veteran like Jenkins in there is mm -hmm. probably more valuable at the time than having um, a rookie like Drake Jackson. Play against Seattle's. He, he, he did knock some balls down against, you know, Smith. Mm -hmm. So we miss that aspect of our defense when he's not in there. For our media, Matt, and he takes. Since Jenkins has come, like we've signed him onto the practice squad because it's not just, you know, this week that Dick Jackson's been active. It's been, what, like yeah. three weeks? Um, so I think it's... The year now, you know, you're, you're pretty much at full strength, so you, you don't need to have another guy active on the defensive line. Yeah. That makes sense. Matt, any...
matchup. Um, you have your top rotation of guys on the defensive line, but you're still working somebody like a run stuffer like Javon Kinlaw back into the equation on a snap count. So. for edge rushers because unlike a regular season game maybe against an opponent that's not super good or whatever where you know Nick Bosa is probably going to be out for a few more snaps than he would be otherwise and so I think that having that extra interior defensive lineman so you can spell somebody like Kinlaw on passing downs or if you think that he's been out there a little too long because you're still trying to work him back you want him to be able to be out there long term for more than just one game you don't want to blow your wad in one game with with Javon Kinlaw and the fact that you know Armstead has the capability to line up on edge I think there's one or two other interior linemen um, you know givens if you absolutely need them to that can go out to the edge makes them a little more versatile than Jackson who is at this point kind of just a pass rusher and so I think they want the versatility overall yeah yeah I think that's likely what ended up happening um question here from hung fat will there be a purdy rookie dip at the worst time we're all like still anticipating it. It seems like will that happen like in the next coming weeks? Or do you think that if it would have happened, it would have happened by now. I, I, I define rookie dip because I saw him make more shitty passes this week than I've seen him make before. He had at least three or four passes that hit defenders hands. There mm-hmm. was one or two passes where he threw it and it should have been intercepted. Those were like Jimmy throws that we hadn't seen out of him previously, where either he was not looking for or did not see the weak side linebacker. Um, there were some dangerous throws. Now, that being said, I, there were some really good throws, too. It's sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. I do think that there are some of some of those throws that you can clean up from week to week, some of its opponents, some of it again is familiarity. Um, the Seahawks have seen Brock Purdy already. Um, they the the tape is now starting to get out. People kind of know. Um, so those things kind of make a factor. I'd like to see him clean that up a little bit and just be a little more careful with you know the reads that he's making. But again, a lot of this I think is is just. Kyle Shanahan's offense too, where it's where it's get to your drop and then throw the ball. And so some of those plays, I don't know. I don't think every week is going to be 18 of 30 for 324 and three touchdowns. That's for sure. You just have to limit the amount of interceptions that are going to be there. The limit the amount of turnovers that are going to be there. Um, because we know one is going to eventually come, right? I mean, Trevor Lawrence threw four. Uh, there was like, I think there was like 11 picks from like, more highly touted quarterbacks than Brock Purdy. It, it's coming. Every quarterback throws interceptions. Patrick Mahomes throws interceptions. Josh Allen throws interceptions. They all do. Um, it's just how many of those are you putting in risk at any given game? The reason I don't think we're going to see much of a dip is because, like, we did, we saw him come out at the beginning of the game yesterday looking like a rookie, which I still think, you know, first playoff, a rookie is your first playoff game. It's a big stage against a divisional opponent, he he definitely looked like a rookie at times and he was not playing the best. But then as the game progressed, he overcame that and played really well. Um, he did look flustered at times in the pocket, but then he also overcame that and played really well. So every time he did bad, he overcame it and started playing better. So I don't think, think there's going to be much of a dip because even when he struggles, he, he has the mental fortitude to freaking overcome it and play better. Yeah, yeah. He, I, th- I think that's really, really – 
accurate. You know, last year, last week, excuse me, yesterday, I'm all over the place. Yesterday, to start the game, it looked like for the first time, I don't want to say the moment was too big, but he was kind of rattled by the moment. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, I think it finally hit him, the bright lights, like, oh, shit, this is playoffs. That's what I would have expected when he came in, in Miami, against Miami at home then. Uh, it seemed like maybe it was a delayed reaction. I don't know, but it hit him and he was able to overcome it. So I agree with you, Matt. I think that as long as he just does what he's asked to do, the 49ers will be fine. And I I, I left this comment up because I agree with Joey. The spin out left scrambles are infuriating. Kyle Shanahan talked about it himself. You know, I can't have him dropping out the back of the pocket when things, the pocket collapses. I need him to step up. And he did that like on three straight plays to end the first Mm -hmm. half yesterday where he just dropped out of the pocket like 15 yards to the left and threw it away. One he took a nasty shot on, by the way. But hopefully we don't see any more of those. He's, he's, yeah, he's, again, that's, that's a, that's the one rookie thing that I see him do is that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Rather, he's had some pockets where, again, if you're Trent Williams or, I mean, you know, even Mike McGlinchey or whatever, the tackle's job is if a pass rusher is going to get by, you make them get by you wide. You push them outside. And so we've seen it a couple times where Purdy will, will dump out of the back of the pocket and spin left right to a sack. Yeah. Whereas if he just, stays towards the line of scrimmage and steps up in the pocket, you know, he's able to do that. Now, some of that could be a product of his height too, because he's short, you step up in the pocket and then you end up behind Aaron Banks, who's gigantic. And then it's like, where's your throwing lane? So there's a little bit of both, I think to that, but that's something that does bear um, watching. I think with a full off season to kind of go over that and work on it, those are things that can be worked out. See, but I, I think too, he does some of those, those, like spin outs and stuff is when he's playing a little, when he's, you know, mentally a little rattled because at times when he was a little rattled and nervous, he was, he was making those spin outs because we've seen him at times when he's, you know, on point, step up in the pocket, slide, whatever it is, makes the plays, you know? So it's, it's just, it's just depend on how he is at the time. Like he obviously overcomes it, but he was rattled at the time he's making those little spin outs because later on in the game, he fixed it and he makes that, he, that freaking great scramble, which would have should have been a touchdown to IU. It's like, you know, if he's still rattled, he doesn't make that play. So I think it has to do just a lot of him mentally. And then luckily he's can overcome it throughout the game. But I think it's just where he's at in the game mentally. Sometimes he makes those dumb decisions, but the good, the difference between him and Jimmy Garoppolo is he, he, he forgets it so quick and he's able to overcome throughout the game. Those, you know, those, you know, so that's what I like so much about, about Purdy, he'll we'll see him do something stupid or not do, and then look dumb, and then or be rattled, and then he'll overcome it in the next two drives or whatever, and then he looks like not you know, a rookie. What's funny, just to add on to that point, is that we got the looking dumb and stupid with Jimmy without the overcoming and splash plays. It was like we got the worst of both worlds. We're out here looking like an idiot, and we don't even have a great play to make up for it. And with Purdy, he may look dumb, but the next drive he's gonna spin out of a sack and throw like a forty-yard pass for a touchdown or something crazy. So that, I think, is the biggest improvement for this offense. Um, we're going to be wrapping things up here. Matt, did you have something to add to that? Yeah, just I, I would I would like to point out that one thing that Purdy does offer, even with all that stuff, um, next-gen stats released his throw chart, and it's, it's all over the field. He uses the mm-hmm. entire field, and that's something that is very important for the 49ers. And the biggest thing for third downs, which is why we're so much better with on third downs with Purdy, he hits his receivers in stride when he needs to. If, if, if he doesn't hit his receivers in stride on those third downs that we picked up, 
and then we're behind the sticks. We don't get those. We don't get those first downs. How many times have we, Jimmy, Jimmy done that same throw and throw it behind so we don't pick up the first down because the receivers yeah, I mean, can't run. I don't want to. I don't want to shit on you know other quarterbacks too much, but I'll just say yeah, that you fair. know Purdy makes Purdy makes the easy look easy, which is you know what what our. Ever since I heard Robert Sala say that, I really like it, and I think it's very important to understand that making it look easy is easy. You know. Yeah. All right, we're going to be wrapping things up here. This is something I do on the nothing but Niners Patreon show with Mike. But since I have all you gentlemen here, I think it'll be fun to do. We haven't done it here. I have this deck of cards called my chat pack and each card is a very specific question. I'm going to pick one and I'm going to ask it all and we'll end the show that way. Just to have a little fun and celebrate the 49ers win over the Seahawks exercising some demons there. So I'm going to pick a random card and I'll read it out. Could be good. Could be bad. Okay. If you could bring to life any fictional character from a book or a movie, who would you choose? Who wants to go first? Don't all jump at once now. Man, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with my uh my shirt sake right here. Darth Vader. Why would you want to bring it. him to life? Because I think it, I think I'd like to watch the carnage. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Let's do it. All I gotta hey, all I gotta do is not interact with him and not piss him off. And I'm <laughs> cool, man. I can just watch him do his thing. All right, here we go. You ready? Ted. <laughs> the teddy bear? Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Same, wait, wait. Same question to you. Why would you want to bring him to life? Because what are you going to do a, with that teddy bear, Brandon? He, okay. <laughs> <laughs> <That's my motherfucker. laughs> fucking get high and forget that. That was fucking hilarious, okay? And then... And then we can sing "Fuck You, Thunder." <laughs> you can suck my dick. <laughs> right, I think, actually, you know what? Wait, one one more quick one. If we're doing it, if we're doing it based on whimsical whatever, I'll say Darth Vader. If we're doing it based on like reality based people who I think would be cool, probably like James Bond would be pretty slick. Okay, Fire Media, who do you got? Yeah, I think G- I'm gonna have to agree with Matt. I, I think James Bond. I I just think it's it'd be cool to like bring to life and kind of see what he actually is about, other than just seeing him in a movie. Okay, all right, Christian. Oh, dude, <laughs> I gotta go Scooby Doo all the way. <laughs> the dog. What are you gonna do with that dog, Brandon? <laughs> Bro, dude. Hey, talking dog, dude. Fucking talking Great Dane. Solving mysteries. Uh, Scooby Doo is my favorite. It has been since I was a little kid, so it only makes sense to, to do Scooby Doo. But if I was going to do like a movie badass, John Wick. All right. Uh, Ian Sharp says, Dart, deeper questions needed. It's whatever the card is. There what about are you, Zach? In there. You didn't give us yours. Well, yeah, I'm you? going. I'm going. I'm going. I would probably pick Gandalf. Oh, that's that's awesome. pretty legit. That'd be amazing. Right. That'd be sick, an amazing dude. character to bring back. Um, Yo, all right. Shout, shout outs, shout outs to Arwen. By the way, none of us picked a girl, but shout outs to that elfin lady. She's pretty hot. Oh my god, Jay, Jay Ellie, the crew from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yes, that would be a great one. <laughs> That'd be a great one. All right, 
Uh, one more. How about the genie from Aladdin, bro? <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, guys. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Let uh, We'll go one by one. Obviously, me and Matt, we're here for the Red and Gold Snare podcast. Uh, Brandon, let the folks know where to find you if they're not subscribed already. Yeah, go over. And if you're not watching our channel, it's for your podcast. Or if you want to spell it out, youtube.com backslash forever faithful podcast 49. You can also follow, uh, follow us on Twitter at ffpod49 or forever faithful podcast. We're also on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. So go ahead and hit that follow button. And if you want our audio portion of the podcast, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the podcasts you can find to listen to. Yeah, I think that's it. All right, Fortnite Media, let the folks know where to find you. Yeah, so you guys can find me over at Instagram and Twitter. That's kind of my main spot where I'm at, and then also YouTube and TikTok. Sweet. Uh, Christian? On Twitter. left. Uh, you know, <laughs> handle's there. I, I'm not a huge social media guy, so, I mean, that's where you find me. I tweet every now and then. <laughs> All right, guys, and I want to give a shout-out to our guy, Joey, who handles our – uh, TikTok, and we are currently at, I'm pulling it up right now, 32.7 thousand followers. Shout out to Joey, just killing it on TikTok. And our guy, Adi, takes uh, care of our Instagram. And our Instagram, I'm pulling that up. I should have had these stats handy. I'm sorry, guys. 8,000. We just topped 8,000 on Instagram. So if you haven't followed us on those avenues, please do. We're here on YouTube. Hit like, hit subscribe. It really does help. Uh, Twitter. All of our personal handles are on the screen, podcast handles on the screen, 49ers Hive, and TikTok and Instagram. With that all said, we will be back uh, later in the week to preview 49ers and Cowboys or 49ers and Buccaneers. Matt, you want to carry us out? Absolutely. Um, It's going to be interesting to watch tomorrow to see who the 49ers get to beat down next. Um, Thank everybody for joining us here. All the guys on the panel, um, Brandon, 49ers Media, Christian, Zach, of course, is hosting. We love having everybody in the chat here. Thank you for joining us. It's Victory and Wildcard Weekend. BCB out there doing his thing. Uh, And here we are doing ours. So thank you, as always, for joining us. And until next time, go Niners.